1: Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. Breaking news in the last hour. RTE News says a review of RTE Finances is understood to have found more barter accounts. It comes as two external reviews of the national broadcaster are ordered by the government. I think that will be something that will be looked at here. The the fees of those independent contracts and the, the, the use of agents. Will we all be seeing more money in our pocket after this year's budget? We've got our first clues today with the government's summer economic statement. Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, joins me live here in the studio. If you join our conversation online with your comments and your questions, it's hashtag TonightVMTV. Well, we begin tonight with breaking news. RTE News reported that a review into the national broadcaster's finances has found a number of further barter accounts. That is the same type of account centred to the undisclosed payments to Ryan Tubberty. It comes on the same day that the government announced two external reviews into RTE. Well, Virgin News political correspondent Gavin Riley joins me live for more. This is literally just broken in the last hour. Gavin, how did this come to light and what do we know about these particular accounts?
2: Well, how it came to light is that obviously RTE for the last couple of days have been scrambling to try and provide some of the documentation that's been asked for by the two Oroctus committees investigating all of this. That's obviously the public accounts Committee and the Oroctus Joint Committee on Tourism and Medium, which is meeting again tomorrow. And ahead of that meeting tomorrow, RTE had been trying to pull together a whole series of documentation applying to requests that they put in last week. So, for example, that committee had been looking for copies of Ryan Tuberty's previous contract, copies of Patrick Keelty's forthcoming contract for The Late Late Show, wanted to know exactly how advertising and discounts work in RTE, and also full records of 10 years of transactions from RTE's barter account. And what appears to have emerged in the course of all of this is that RTE can now clarify, and this has been confirmed corporately by the institution this evening, that in fact they had more than one barter account. Now, on the face of it, actually, that ought not to be too much of a massive surprise because given the way in which barter accounts work, they're effectively an accumulation of credits built up with any individual ad agency. It wouldn't be all that remarkable that uh, an institution like RTE would have a barter account with each of the major agencies with which it does work. So on that front, it's not all that surprising. Perhaps the bigger issue regarding this now and the fact that or disclosing that there are multiple barter accounts is the fact that the chief financial officer, Richard Collins, when he was giving evidence in Leinster House last week, was specifically asked at PAC by uh, Catherine Murphy, the deputy leader uh, of uh, of the deputy chair of the PAC, Social Democrats TD. She explicitly asked, are there any other barter accounts? Is there a list of them? To which Richard Collins replied, no, there is only one. So it's not necessarily the existence of the accounts so much as the chief financial officer last week told the committee there was only one of them, which means either the committee was led or Mr Collins wasn't aware as of how many accounts there were. Neither of which you'd have to say, Kira, is a very good look.
1: Yeah, but Gavin, do we know in terms of the accounts that are there, the additional barter accounts, do we know what their function was, what they were used for, indeed how much money went through them?
2: No, we don't have any indication like that at present. Again, one of the things that the Oireachtas Media Committee was looking for was a full itemized list of 10 years of transactions out of uh, RDE's barter accounts to try and get a sense of exactly what they were used for. Now, in, in ordinary practice, a barter account would be used for uh, claiming uh, industry goods. For example, you might end up driving a better deal on a future advertising arrangement. You might end up using some of the credit on that account uh, to access prizes for for reader or viewer competitions. That is the sort of thing they would generally tend to be used for. and to to a certain degree, uh, client hospitality. It is client and corporate hospitality, which has obviously now drawn the ire of many TDs. And that was the specific reason why they had asked for 10 years of transactions. Now, RT has told the committee this evening that it hasn't yet been able to compile that full list, that it is still going to be working overnight and that they do hope to bring that list to the Orochus Committee tomorrow, ahead of the meeting, which begins at half past one tomorrow. So there is a prospect that maybe in the early hours of tomorrow morning, we might discover exactly what they were used for, the very nature of the application of these accounts. But at this point, RT, simply not able to tell anybody exactly how they are used.
1: Are the media committee confident that they are going to receive all of the other documents that they requested tomorrow?
2: Uh, those I've been speaking to at least seem confident that given that Orte has been able to supply this much and have itemized the bits that they haven't yet been able to hand over, that there is reason to think that within reason, they'll be able to get at least a certain steer uh, of what they want. It may well be possible, however, that those documents won't be as comprehensive as the media, me- media committee members might have wanted. So, for example, last week, they put in a request for RTA to hand over the details of their top 100 earners. And, and my understanding of that request was that they were looking for something similar to the top 10 lists that RTE publishes every year pertaining to on-air personnel. They wanted to extend that to a top 100. And the thinking was that they might have the named presenters alongside those. What they've got this evening, rather, is a list of the top 100 earners within the organisation that includes those at corporate and management level, as well as those who are actually on-air. In fact, around two thirds of those that are contained in the list are not on-air personnel at all. However, due to GDPR constraints, RTE says that at this point, it can't actually name those individuals. So the, the committee has got what it wants, of sorts, but it perhaps may not have gotten them uh, with the same level of detail that it might ultimately have been hoping for. And that might well be a theme when we get the rest of these documents that are still outstanding at some point tomorrow.
1: All right, Gavin Riley, thank you for bringing us that latest information. Well, joining me now in studio is Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath. And Minister, look, we're going to get to today's summer economic statement. That's why you come in uh, to us this evening. But what is your reaction to that breaking news?
3: Well, I think it is uh, of significant concern that new information which was not provided to the committee last week um, has now come into the public domain, albeit by RT providing the information to uh, the joint committee. Uh, It is evidence of... Oireachta scrutiny working. Uh, the further information is now being provided. I think Gavin there gave a very fair summation. Barter accounts are not in and of themselves uh, a problem, um, but what the committee members uh, chaired by, by Deputy Neve Smith tomorrow I'm sure will be asking is what exactly was going through Uh, these additional uh, barter accounts, who were the parties to the transactions and what were the nature of the transactions and the services that were being accounted for uh, within those particular transactions. So my concern from the beginning here was that we would have a drip drip of information and this is going on now for Pretty much two weeks, and new information is coming into uh, the public domain, and you know that's never a good thing. I think the the only way through all of this for RT is to be fully open and transparent, uh, and just put everything on the table. And I know the committee members tomorrow will be very anxious to get as much information as they possibly can. And uh, RT just have to be open and honest. And, uh, you know, the issues that perhaps are embarrassing for them, uh, problems that were there in the past, um, accounts that maybe shouldn't have been there, just put it all out there. It's the only way uh, that a way through this can ultimately be navigated. We need accountability and we need full transparency.
1: Do you feel they've been open and honest to date?
3: Well, the information uh, emerging tonight about additional barter accounts uh, directly contradicts evidence given last week. Um, So to give the benefit of the doubt, presumably that information wasn't uh, available to the executives who answered last week, which is in itself a concern uh, that that pretty basic level of information was not available about the presence of additional barter accounts. So I think tomorrow is an important day. We just need the executives to reveal all the information uh, that they have and uh, the committee members you know, are, are going to do their job professionally uh, ask uh, all the pertinent questions and I would expect uh, RT uh, and those representing them tomorrow to be fully uh, upfront and open with all of the information that they have and if they can't provide it they need to commit to when they can provide it by and as you know at Cabinet today we decided on a number of steps which Minister Martin has outlined, uh, two separate uh, independent reviews and she has confirmed she will be invoking the powers under the Broadcasting Act uh, to appoint uh, a forensic accountant to go in and get the very information that we would expect RT to be yeah. providing to us.
1: And I want to get to that in a moment, but just given the fact that senior management have had ample opportunity over the last two weeks to bring all this information out into the open, the fact that we are still getting this information, does it speak to even higher levels of dysfunction, even greater failings of corporate governance in that organisation?
3: I think the it is uh, indisputable that there have been serious failings. We wouldn't be at this point uh, if those failings didn't exist. It was the entering into of the arrangements with um, Ryan Thurberty's agent initially, uh, and then the manner of uh, concealing the information by way of not fully providing uh, accurate um, salary information when that was published. You know, that is seriously Dysfunctional and not acceptable. And recognised as deceit in, by the It chair calls into the board. question very, very serious um, um, governance questions uh, and culture questions about RTE. And you know the fact that they haven't been able to provide all of the information in a timely fashion uh, is a cause of serious concern. Can and you,
1: Minister, sitting here, say that you have full confidence in the RTE Executive Board tonight?
3: Look, obviously this is new information now tonight, which uh, is a cause of concern because it does contradict information and answers given last week. I think the executives uh, deserve an opportunity to come in and answer that tomorrow. So do you have Uh, confidence in them? Well, I think they deserve an opportunity to come in and answer that. And uh, if inaccurate information was provided to an Oroctus committee, that is a serious matter. Uh, And they do deserve the right to come in and correct the record and explain why the wrong answer and uh, inaccurate information was provided. So I would give them the benefit of that opportunity uh, to come in tomorrow. So I think there is a lot at stake tomorrow.
1: I think there is a lot at stake tomorrow. A lot of people would agree with you on that. Um, As Gavin Riley was saying, look, it might be that some of the individuals there simply weren't aware
3: that these
1: barter accounts existed. But that in itself should raise serious questions. Um, do you expect to see resignations at this point?
3: Well, again, we don't know um, You know the, the origin of these new barter accounts. Um, uh, is there one? Were there more? When did they commence? And for what period of time have they now been closed? Have they been used for bona fide? legitimate commercial transactions because barter accounts can be used for exchange of goods and services with no cash changing hands. That can be uh, a common practice, particularly in, in commercial radio. Uh, so I think they they need to answer those questions. So you know I'm not going to make any dramatic declaration about no confidence uh, in the executives or the board, but this is a significant moment. Uh, and you know when you come before an Oireachtas committee, uh, you do have to be fulsome in the provision of information and be truthful in all of your answers and you know we can all make mistakes we can all give the wrong answers at times um, but we have to explain why we do uh, subsequently when we find out that the information we had was inaccurate so you know it, there could well be a genuine explanation and i do believe that the people concerned you know deserve in the interest of natural justice, if nothing else, to have the opportunity to come in and just answer the questions tomorrow. And I I, I would just encourage them and urge them uh, just to be fully open and honest, because that's the only way through all of this.
1: Uh, would you hope that there are no resignations prior to that media committee uh, tomorrow, because they were rumoured on the uh, nine o'clock news tonight that there may be resignations and that would put them beyond the media committee? Would that actually be?
3: Well, that yeah, that's very often results. the consequence of, of resignations is that it can make it harder to get to the truth and harder to, to access the information uh, that you need. So, uh, you know, I certainly hope that we have full participation tomorrow at the committee uh, and that we do get new information. And look, it's, this we should acknowledge that the information emerging tonight is information that RTE has provided to the Oireachtas committee. So it has come from RTE. They have provided it to the committee. Uh, so that should be acknowledged. Uh, the fact that it contradicts what was said last week will have to be clarified tomorrow, and I'm sure will be the subject of uh, of rigorous questioning by, by the committee members.
1: In terms of the government's own response to this, as you mentioned, um, there is a forensic accountant being appointed. I presume they will not be able to um, get the results back by the end of August if there are these additional barter accounts. But in terms of the timing of the other two reviews, we're talking maybe eight, nine months. Is there a danger here that we lose momentum in that time?
3: Well, in parallel with that, other work will happen... You know, we have tomorrow's hearing. We know that the Public Accounts Committee is meeting in private on Thursday, may well decide on uh, further hearings as well. We have the incoming Director General, Kevin Backhurst, who has indicated he is going to introduce reforms around the uh, Executive Board uh, as well. But when it comes to the work of the forensic accountant, it shouldn't really take that long, you know, to get to the core of this. You know, transactions are factual matters and uh, the systems can be accessed, data analytics can be used, you know, it's not that complicated okay. uh, to get to the heart of uh, the transactions here and to provide the information that we need, uh, which can then be interpreted and will allow uh, the minister uh, and the government then to make informed decisions. Uh, so people have uh, a right to you know, provide the information, to answer the questions. Uh, they deserve to be given that opportunity fully. Um, but we do expect, that we expect nothing less than the full truth and all information available to be provided, not to be hiding behind uh, anything else.
1: Uh, just finally, Minister, do you have any issue personally with RTE having a commercial arm?
3: Uh, I don't, because if they don't have a commercial arm, then it all falls on taxpayers ultimately. And you know um, many commercial organizations will see great value and see an opportunity in availing of the audiences that RTE get through uh, their output and through their current affairs and so on. So I I don't believe that that contaminates necessarily the work that they do in terms of public service broadcasting.
1: You don't think a fully funded, exchequer funded RTE is the way to go?
3: Well, that's a big step and that would be very expensive. Um, But I think if you have proper governance, if you have proper lines of accountability, if you have clear reporting and you have, you know, basic uh, commercial rules being applied uh, and your full openness, I don't see why having commercial revenue streams uh, is such a problem once it's managed effectively.
1: All right, I just want to move on uh, to the announcement today to the summer economic statement and we found out that it's going to be an additional 6.4 billion spend in the next budget. Will people feel better off, do you think, after budget 2024?
3: Uh, Yes, I believe they will because for many people we have to acknowledge they had to take a step back this year in living standards because for many uh, the rise in their income uh, if they had an increase uh, did not match inflation and so in real terms there was a deterioration in their living standards and um, that of course puts a lot of pressure on on many families and many households. Lots of people uh, just year, running to
1: stand still they would say. Yeah
3: and next year I do anticipate that as a result of the budget but also as a result of uh, wage bargaining in the public sector and the private sector uh, for the great majority of people Uh, the increases in their income will exceed inflation and so they will make real gains, which would have been the case for very many years uh, prior to to last year. But for many people uh, across the last year, it has been really difficult. And we've responded in the best way that we could with about €12 billion in the last uh, 18 months. And in framing the summer economic statement, Minister Donoghue and myself and the party leaders had to really uh, walk a, a, a tightrope. We had to strike the right balance between providing uh, enough of a package so that we could provide support to households uh, and businesses at a time when inflation is high but is falling while at the same time not stoking inflation further um, because we know that monetary policy is trying to pull inflation down. It is falling um, but for many people the day-to-day lived reality is still that they're under pressure and we accept that. And you I accept do you accept that there's sort of a, a bit of
1: a social contract here that during the very, very bad times in Ireland you know, people had to pay a lot and that now during the good times people feel that they should be rewarded, certainly the good times economically in this country. That's part of the social contract.
3: Um, I accept that people feel like that and I accept the legitimacy of that, but we do have to be careful with the public finances because as we've pointed out many times, the stream of corporation tax revenues that we are collecting has grown uh, at an extraordinary rate. You know, about a decade ago it was four billion a year, in twenty twenty it was around twelve billion euro. This year it will be probably north of 24 billion euro and a very high degree of concentration in terms of a very small number of companies contributing a very large percentage of those receipts. And the advice I'm receiving from my officials from the revenue commissioners is that about half of those receipts this year are potentially windfall in nature. So what we can't do is make permanent expenditure commitments or tax commitments on the back of temporary receipts. What we can do is we can increase uh, capital investment in our public infrastructure. And we are doing that in the summer economic statement. We can also put funding away for uh, a long-term savings fund uh, to meet demographic costs, the costs of the climate transition, and we can put funding into uh, a longer-term public investment fund, which is counter-cyclical in nature. So that if there's an economic downturn in the future, there's money we to have the funding to sustain capital investment and invest through the cycle. But in so the budget, vilified- there will be. There will be reductions in income tax uh, for workers, many pensioners pay tax as well. Uh, There will be uh, improvements in core welfare and there will be further investment in public services. And we will continue with the work uh, that we've been doing the last few years to reduce costs. And uh, we saw further evidence of that today with confirmation uh, of the, the free GP care for up to a half a million people in Ireland. So we will try and press down costs right. for families uh, to make life you know, more affordable for them.
1: Okay, there's, there's lots in what you have just said. So let's just go, I suppose, to the first idea of uh, income tax. We knew from Finney because they published that uh, piece in the Irish Independent, that they wanted 1,000 uh, euros back for all workers. Fianna Foyle, we understand, want to target um, those income tax cuts down to lower and middle income earners. Is that correct?
3: Well, we have a prong for government commitment, which... Uh, All three parties in government uh, agreed and fully support, and that is uh, the tax credits and bans would be indexed in line uh, with earnings. Now, there are different ways uh, of doing that, and it will fall to me as Minister for Finance uh, to construct a tax package. And I will bring that, of course, uh, to the party leaders and to government ultimately for agreement. Uh, But there will be a reduction in the burden of income tax for workers at all income levels low as well as middle income Uh, and I know many people argue there should be no changes to income tax but I'll explain why I think there has to be uh, a change to income tax as earnings grow if you make no changes whatsoever to your income tax code uh, your effective rate of tax the percentage of your overall level of income that's going on tax uh, will increase so 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 in in the same way that making no changes to social welfare would not be acceptable it should not be acceptable, in my mind and in the view of the government, uh, not to make changes in our income tax system. Okay, so according so to be... those
1: lower and middle income earners that you mentioned, there is this really going to be a finifoil budget?
3: It, it's it's a, a coalition budget. There are three parties in the government. We work really well together. Uh, Minister Donoghue and I uh, secured the agreement of the party leaders after extensive engagement across a number of weeks and then went to government with the economic statement today. And that now sets the parameters of the budget, uh, 6.4 billion euro in terms of a core budget package uh, and we now have to get into the detail and negotiate with all of our colleagues on the composition of that. But it provides an anchor, it sets the parameters and the guardrails of the budget and that's really helpful to us in the work that we have to do in the next uh, three months.
1: But we understand that one of the priorities of Fianna was that a larger percentage, a much larger percentage of the pot was going to be spent on public services as opposed to tax cuts and that's how it looks Today, again, that would seem to be you know, a Fianna Fáil win. What is the priority when it comes to those public spending measures?
3: Well, it's been the case for the last number of years that there has been a heavy emphasis on uh, public services and investment. While at the same time, we have made progress in terms of changes to our income tax system, the increase in the entry point to €40,000, the increase in the tax credits, for example, uh, in the last budget. But when it comes to the expenditure side, uh, it will not come as a surprise to anyone, that one of our top priorities is housing, to continue to uh, increase investment in housing so that we can deliver more homes for our people, affordable homes, so affordable purchase, cost rental and social, That will be a key priority. There will be a welfare package uh, in the budget uh, and we will also be investing in our public services. So in healthcare, in education in transport, in childcare, we made a step change of investment in childcare. I want to acknowledge the work of Minister O'Gorman in relation to that uh, in the last couple of years. For many families, a reduction of one quarter in their monthly outgoing childcare cost bill. And we would like to go further uh, in the forthcoming budget, but all of that has to be negotiated. So pressing down costs is key.
1: How difficult is it going to be to increase that given the fact that we heard multiple...
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we
4: like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot...
1: Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from OSEA. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OSEAMalibu.com. That's O S E A -A -A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Times today that the country is at full employment, full capacity.
3: There is capacity there to build more homes. Uh, we will have uh, an overall capital budget for the Department of Housing next year of close to €4 billion in direct exchequer capital. That will be added to by the work of the Land Development Agency. Uh, they have a borrowing and a capital Envelope of about two and a half billion euro, and we have the strategic investment fund. And we've made decisions now that are helping to unlock supply. We've suspended development charges, uh, water connection uh, fees, for example. That will help to improve viability. So we are confident the supply will come, but we do we do have to focus on reforms. Is there? Do you think? Well, we have to focus on reforms, and that means. Uh, reforming our planning system.
1: But what extra? Sorry to cut across you there. I, I know all the measures you're going to introduce. I'm just wondering what the knock-on effect of those would be in terms of the extra capacity in housing.
3: Well, the knock-on effect will be. Is there a be, figure? In, it will be increased output. So last year, we had almost 30,000 units uh, completed. The target for this year in Housing for All is 29,000. So our first priority is to achieve that. Uh, but we want to go beyond what we achieved last year and show progress because our population is growing by about 8% uh, in the last census. So what's, what's a what's more
1: realistic target then, Minister?
3: Well, it's to make progress on the output last year. There will be a formal process for revising uh, the housing output targets but the target on housing for all for this year is 29,000 and that comprises the private the social the affordable the cost rental we are ma- making progress but we know we need to do much more and we need to do it faster and that will be a core priority of government
1: um, you did mention childcare costs and the Irish examiner was leaving leading today um, with a figure of 25% cut a further cut last year's cuts were pretty popular, I would imagine. Is that a priority to you? Is that realistic, do you think, to cut childcare costs by that amount?
3: Look, I um, did the job that Minister Donoghue who is currently doing uh, for three budgets uh, and negotiating in the estimates process with all of my colleagues. And I know it's a really difficult job and there's never enough funding to do all the things that you would like to do. Um, But we have, as a government, collectively signalled that continuing to reduce childcare costs uh, is a priority. That said, we have to make sure that the sector itself uh, is sustainable for the providers and we have to continue to make sure uh, that there is a good career pathway and good terms and conditions for the workers involved. So it is about making sure uh, that for the providers for the workers and for the parents and, of course, the children, that the system works. Uh, that will mean more investment. We acknowledge that, but there will be other areas mm. we want to make progress on in the, in the budget as well. And uh, we're now getting into the period of actual negotiations, and that's why today's statement was so significant. It, it sets Gives out the, the overall envelope of €6.4 billion. Euro.
1: And we know we have all of this extra money slashing around um, in our... Um tax intake at the moment from corporation tax. Are you very conscious as the first Fianna Fáil minister for finance in a very, very long time, given how you, you left office, that you prove that you're a safe pair of hands with all of this additional money?
3: Well, I'm very conscious of the imperative to do the right thing. And I am convinced that in agreeing the framework that we agreed today, we are doing the right thing. And I'll just give you one, um, piece of evidence of that. So I mentioned about the windfall corporate tax receipts, they are almost 12 billion euro is the estimate. We are projecting even after the revised budget package that we uh, brought forward today, that the surplus next year will be uh, almost €12 billion. Euro. So in other words, we are not, in effect, spending uh, receipts that were being, we are being warned could be windfall in nature. That comes on the back of a surplus last year of €8 billion. Euro. This year, we think it will be €10 billion or so. And next year, it will be around €12 billion. And what are we doing with that money? We've put some of it away already into a National Reserve Fund. Uh, the National Treasury Management Agency are making our debt more sustainable uh, through managing cash reserves. And then we will set up Uh, the longer-term funds that I've spoken about to meet future costs because we want to keep taxes down in the future and the future governments and future ministers for finance don't have to make unpalatable decisions because we ignored uh, the evidence that was being brought before us about the demographic changes that are absolutely undeniable about the climate change expenditure commitments that we're going to have to incur and I'm not going to resile from the responsibility that I and the government have to address those issues now.
1: Even though you are breaching your own five percent limit here that you and Pascal Donoghue agreed only three years ago and I think breached last year as well and there was a warning from the central bank that if you did breach that 5% increase in core spending um, that you did risk stoking inflation again. Are you ignoring that advice or are you, is that just the com- reality of competing? Well,
3: there, there is a balance here and we weighed this up uh, very carefully. The 5% spending rule uh, was constructed on the basis of uh, trend growth rate in the economy of about 3% uh, real growth and 2% inflation. Last year we had inflation of 8%. This year it will be around 5% and it is falling and next year our current forecast is about 2.5% but the central bank and others say uh, they think it will be higher, they say about 3.5%. So but it's a are, rule
1: that's not fit for purpose anymore? We are anymore. making it,
3: well it's a rule that has to be adaptable and it has to respond to the economic circumstances uh, that we face but moving from 5% to 6.1% which is what we're doing uh, it means additional e- expenditure of about 1 billion euro and in the context of an economy the next year will produce output of about 600 billion euro uh, we believe that it is affordable uh, and sustainable and the impact on inflation will be very very modest indeed we estimate uh, in the department about 0.2 percent and when you consider that alongside the uh, prudent approach that we are adopting to the surpluses we're putting money away for future needs uh, we think we have struck the right balance
1: okay just very last question very quickly and um, there was a report today in the Irish Independent about Metrolink £300 million being spent and not a, a sod turned in the ground at this point. You talk about all this additional money going into capital, budgets and infrastructure. Yeah. Can the government be trusted to do right by that money, given the fact that so much money has been wasted, perhaps, on that project? Oh,
3: yes, we can. Metrolink is a transformative project that we are committed to. It is a project that is currently in the planning process and the railway order application uh, has been Submitted and TII Transport Infrastructure Ireland is continuing now with the detailed planning and design work uh, that needs to be done. And much of that money, that 300 million euro, is not that wasted, alluded to, uh, carries over and is part of the Metrolink project. Some of it is not and relates to predecessor projects that got um, suspended and ultimately abandoned, um, but a large share of it is actually relevant and will be carried through for the delivery of Metrolink.
1: All right, uh, Minister Michael McGrath, thank you for coming in thank to speak dear. to us this evening. going well, to leave that there, my thanks to Minister Michael McGrath. Up next, we're going to get reaction to what we just heard and take a look at that breaking news from RTÉ. Welcome back. Well, let's get some reaction to the news breaking on RTE tonight. I'm joined by political correspondent at the Bauer Media Group, Sean Defoe, Independent TD, Michael Healy-Ray, and Sean Keyes, the finance correspondent at The Currency. You're all very welcome to the programme. Sean, have we heard from the RTE board and the executive board regarding this?
0: Just to say that there's going to be more tomorrow. They haven't issued any more details on these extra barter accounts. How many are there? What's in them? Where are they related to? What part of the company they were in, for example? Just that when they appear before the Oireachtas Media Committee tomorrow we're going to get that bit extra but we've been getting some of the political reaction tonight. The Minister Catherine Martin through a spokesperson saying that she hasn't been fully briefed on this yet. She expects to be uh, by the board and that obviously anything new information that comes out will be covered by the external review that she announced today and then also just talking behind the scenes to some of the media committee members who thought we might have got somewhere close to answers through nine hours of committee hearings last week not even close to it real anger there this evening that more information has been kept than one committee member saying that they have been out and out lied to and all the ones I spoke to came back to the same question right last week Richard Collins the chief financial officer at RT said there was one barter account in response to, to uh, Catherine Murphy from the Social Democrats. There was only one. We now know there is a, at least one other, if not multiple barter accounts that use used in RTE. So either he knew about that and willfully misled the committee or he didn't know. And that's nearly worse if the Chief Financial Officer didn't know that there were multiple barter accounts. And as I think other guests have already said, there's nothing wrong with barter accounts. They're used by companies all over the country. But when we know what was in them in relation to the first barter account, these you know, trips to the Rugby World Cup that seem totally extravagant, you now have to question every single payment that's gone through them.
1: Uh, But listening to um, the minister there this evening, he said, look, you need to give somebody, I suppose, the benefit of the doubt. Do we expect that Richard Collins will be attending the uh, media committee tomorrow and that he will answer questions about this?
0: He will be attending and he will 100% be asked. And I think also, interestingly, his predecessor, uh, Bridget O'Keefe, who was the chief financial officer and who started those negotiations with Ryan Mm -hmm. Tuberty that led to all of this coming out. She is also appearing before the committee tomorrow for the first time. We haven't heard from her yet. So no doubt the two of them are going to be put under the extreme microscope to to find out what the scope of this is. And remember, in fairness to Richard Collins, he brought the original uh, account under the Department of Finance or, or the, the finance department within Orti. It had been it with the
1: commercial department before that. And off balance
0: sheet. He'd brought it in there to put it under that extra scrutiny. So, you know, it, you would think if he did know about further barter accounts, he would have sought to do that as well.
1: So, the big question tomorrow, Sean Keyes, is who knew about these accounts and what is going through these accounts? Uh, when we find that out, where is the story going to go next?
5: Oh, well, you're to open, open your imagination. I mean, it' a big question, it's moving from the sort of the transactions to the executives who knew about them. And now the questions are filtering up to the level of the board and the oversight. Uh, there's my own reporting today, this story, same kind of themes over the controls, the processes that were put in place to allow these sorts of decisions to be made. And I think um, yes, I think the, the boards will be coming into coming into focus. I think in the coming days.
1: Just give people at home an understanding of what the role and what the function of what was the authority. It's now called the board. It can be a bit confusing because there's two boards. But the the overall board, let's say, what was or what is its job?
5: So the board's job is much like any company. It's, uh, it's uh, it has a, a duty, a fiduciary duty to the company, a responsibility to the company to make sure that it's properly run and properly overseen. Its job is to oversee the executives, to appoint them, to negotiate their salary, to make sure the right controls are in place and to make sure that the, the rules are being followed so that the executive can run the right type of business. And um, so in my own reporting today on the RTE board, I discovered some um, some a new detail around remuneration, around pay. Um, so the way that the, the RTE board Manages pay is they've got a subcommittee called the remuneration committee, and it uh, its job is to negotiate with these with the senior staff, also to negotiate with the tar- to monitor the pay of the talent like uh, your and Tubertes. Now, I came across a document which set out the the terms by which that subcommittee is to be run, and those terms are basically the rules of how they're supposed to do their job, what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. And in going through, I just started checking through those terms, seeing what stacked up, what didn't. And I found a couple of major problems. Um, the first one I found is that uh, Moya Doherty, who was then the chair of the RTE board, she was the, the rule stated that she was to be the chair of this remuneration subcommittee. Uh, she failed to attend subcommittee meetings for almost four years, three years and 11 months. So that's the first problem. Uh, the second problem is there is a bunch of requirements that the subcommittee report back to the board, share its minutes, uh, produce a report for the annual, in the annual report. That didn't happen, not, not on a regular basis, Quite, very quickly. So the third problem uh, was that uh, the, board is supposed to, the, the subcommittee was supposed to meet a certain number of times, he failed to do that on, th- on three occasions. And the last problem, tying back to what Sean said earlier on, um, a member of that subcommittee, Anne O'Leary, she, features, she went for the Oireachtas last week. Uh, she was asked whether talent and, and the pay of presenters was part of, the, of her subcommittee's remit. She said it wasn't the rules state that it was.
1: Have you asked for comment or response from either of those two parties?
5: Uh, I sought comment from... Moira um, um, Doherty d- chose not to comment on any, of the, on any of the questions I put to her. Um, the ORT board said essentially that there was a, n- a number of questions, but there was a lot of oversights that they, they admitted to.
1: I, I suppose, Sean, it ultimately points to even greater corporate governance failings within this organisation than we
3: even thought were yesterday.
5: The These questions around barter accounts, multiple barter accounts, it all feeds into the same kind of issue. This, it's, it's not about particular misdemeanours or or bad actors. It's about governance and controls.
1: It's also, Michael Healy-Ray, about trust. Mm -hmm. And what we were told from the outset was that getting all of the information out there as quickly as possible, full transparency, that's how you start to rebuild trust. That's going to be a real problem now, isn't it? You have to peel this back to what happened last week. And I want to thank and compliment
4: the politicians who are sitting on their actors committees for doing their job efficiently and in a very workperson-like way. And that has to be said. But any remaining trust or confidence that was in RT has been absolutely shattered now because of the simple fact that people went before the committee last week and they gave answers that have now been proven to be incorrect. So how are we supposed to put this genie back into this bottle and get confidence again? What the people wanted was answers. And the answers they got, to be honest, were misleading or, or ill-informed. Now, we're at, we are where we are now tonight with this new information, but is there more? Will there be more dragged out of them tomorrow and maybe the day after and next week? And how much more is in the belly of RT that people didn't know or understand or realize? And if they had come out very, very early on in the time and said, well, look, There is a lot of problems. These are the issues. And if they had disclosed them. But I'll put it to this way. In a nutshell, the TV licence inspectors should stay at home tomorrow because it would not be a good
1: day to face
4: doors and to face the people looking for a licence fee.
1: People still have a legal obligation to pay that. But anyway, we have to leave that there for now. Our panel are going to be staying with me. Up next, we're going to be taking a look at the Summer Economic Statement and what it will mean for your pockets come budget time. Very welcome back. Sean Defoe, Michael Healy, Ray, and Sean Keyes are still with me and I'm also joined by Suzanne Connolly, CEO of Bernardo's uh, Ireland. I just want to start with you, Sean, because we had the minister in earlier and he's talked a lot about sort of being prudent and responsible um, with all of this money that's sloshing around. Given the fact that they have still breached this 5% spending rule that they put on themselves, have they been prudent here, do you think?
5: Well, the rule is self-imposed. I mean, I don't think there's any a kind of law of gravity that says you've got to spend more than 5% or less than 5%. It's probably a more political rule than anything. But um, so on the economics of it, economists differ as on all these things. But there's, um, the, it hinges on, I suppose if you're talking about whether it's prudent or not, it hinges on inflation. Yeah. If they spend too much, will there be inflation and will that just blow it all away? And uh, there's, uh, the, the argument in other countries, especially big countries, is that you shouldn't spend too much because you generate inflation. Ireland's a little different. We're small, we import a lot. The money that the government spends essentially just leaks out of our country anyway because we're so small. I think the government has limited ability to generate inflation. So in Ireland, the cost of government, the government spending too much isn't so much that it's going to generate inflation, but it's more that we'll waste an opportunity to spend that money well, to invest it well, to solve real problems. And as Minister said, I suppose, that there's a risk of um that the money will go into problem. We will put the money to solving problems that aren't well suited to being solved by money, that where the bottleneck is somewhere else.
1: In terms of your lobbying, because that's what I presume you'll be doing over the next uh, couple of months, Suzanne. Does this surplus, does all the money that uh, the countries are washed with, does it change your lobbying? Does it change your ask?
2: Well, first of all, we're delighted that
1: there's money available, and. I really welcomed what the Minister was saying earlier on in this interview with you, that he's going to increase core social welfare and also that he's looking at helping low-income and middle-income families because we know from our research, which we published just a month ago, about how much some families are really struggling at the moment. And we think it's incumbent on the government to respond to their needs. And they have it, they're ultimately accountable to the public in that context. So, so we think it's crucial that families do see a difference, as the Minister was saying, they would. So you feel confident then that the government is going and is taking the right approach this time? Absolutely. absolutely. Feeling quite optimistic, actually, that they will respond to the needs that are out there. Uh, Michael Healy do you
4: feel optimistic? Well, the first thing that they have to look at is incentivising work and making it g- good for people to work. Because that will create more employment and keep our economy going.
1: So, what do you mean by incentivising well,
4: work? Well, for instance, people are looking when if they if they are going to have the extra uh, the money, the cash receipts that are predicted, uh, they have to do something with the tax base. They have to look at people that are paying fifty six percent tax and say, yes, that is exorbitant, and you have to make it profitable for people to work because at the moment. There are small businesses going out of business that we don't want to go out of business and we have to encourage them to keep local employment going. So and what would you be numbers... suggesting, no, a just, specific just, measure? Just, just let me finish a point. In doing that then we'll be able to keep young people at home. If you look at what hap- what's happening at present, we are educating people, young nurses, for example, and what's the first thing they see? Well, if we go somewhere else, we'll make more money. Keep those people here. Keep our young people here. They're our future. that That's the future of Ireland. And it's no... We're all here now, but look, we're going to come and go. But it's the younger people. We have to make sure that they and then their children will be here in Ireland and not below in Australia. Of course, it's great to go for people who want to go for a while, right, but I, I don't want people to have to go. And, of course, the word is... Take care of mom's purse. Any minister for finance that'll mind mom's purse on a Friday evening, if that's balancing and if that's working, well, all is well. But if that's not
1: right, nothing is right. All right, uh, Sean Defoe, the, the ministers here, and I'm talking about Pascal Donahue and um, Michael McGrath, they're going to come under real pressure, aren't they? Not just from the lobby groups, but from their own backbenchers, particularly when they saw what happened for the Gale. When Pascal who was in charge of the books coming up to elections and they felt there wasn't as big splash of the cash.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And remember, this could well be the last budget before a general election that could happen next autumn. The ministers were insistent today, it won't be that they'll get one more out of it and go to the full term of the government. But they, if you look at the room that's there, 1.1 billion for tax room, that rules out this Finnegan demand of a thousand euro for uh, the middle incomes in, in, in tax cuts because there just isn't enough there. They could do something similar to last year, which was in around eight hundred euro, not nothing to be sniffed at, um, but kind of rules out the top end there. And when you look at what they have in terms of non-committed spending, it's about 2 billion euro. It, that sounds like a lot of money. Doesn't go a huge amount when it doesn't go that far when you think that has to take into account the new public sector pay deal. If you take in social welfare increases, that's a huge part of that. So whether or not this ends up being a prudent budget or, or one that splashes the cash will depend on that extra bit that they have given themselves mm-hmm. for once-off cost of living measures. And Pascal who wouldn't put a figure on that today. He had said he had one in mind, but wants to see what inflation is like closer onto the budget. But they have about 12 billion euro that they're going to split between between uh, cost of living one-off uh, going into the rainy day fund and then this new investment account that Michael McGrath wants to set up. So they have the room to splurge, uh, whether they'll do it or not, we have to wait and see.
1: Do you think they will? I think when they, they splurged, perhaps a lot of people didn't feel it was a splurge last time around, I think it was about £4 billion that they put into these one-off measures. Do you think the fact that, that inflation is coming down, that some of those prices like energy and, and food are beginning to come down, that it will be less this time around, Sean?
5: That inflation will be will, will be less stimulated by this by, by this.
1: Um... No, that the one-off measures will be less than they were the last time.
5: Oh yeah, well that, you could make that argument, but I mean it's 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 a political argument ultimately, right? I mean it, that it'll be weighed up by the pressure they're felt that they feel from their constituents and from the opposition. Um, and I think what what they have chosen to do is they've increased the capital budget to almost the highest its highest level as a percentage of total spending that has been spent since about two thousand and eight. The real challenge will be whether they can make that capital budget work and whether they can turn that into schools, roads and what have you.
1: All right, look, we're going to have to leave it there for now. Uh, thanks to all of my guests for coming in. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. But from all of the late team here, good night and do take care.